Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I was patrolling in my police car along and found a girl just standing in the middle of the road. My initial thoughts was to just to tell her to pay attention but it was clear that while the lights were on, nobody was home. During my whole time with her she never uttered a word, I was left in a weird situation. She had done nothing, clearly needed help but medically nothing seemed wrong. As I am pondering what on earth I should do the girl's Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Suddenly start spinning. Now spinning is not illegal and I'm starting to think this girl is one of those protesters that wind up police. I've dealt with troll station before, so I think crack on, spin to your heart's content. Then she loses her balance and falls whacking her head on the side of the police car. Great. So I call an ambulance but she seems fine. Still not talking but she is looking up at the sky. It's a nice day so fine enjoy the sun. I do some writing and look back at her now bright red face and watering eyes and realize she is trying to damage her retinas by forcing herself to look directly at the sun. That's a new one on me so now I'm holding a book or something above her to shield her eyes. Ambulance arrives and we get to hospital and now she has forgotten how to walk. Now I'm 99% sure she is a wind up merchant but I get her a wheelchair. In the wheelchair she strikes up a I'm a little teapot pose and keeps this up for the next hour, zero movement just frozen with her arms out. So I now have three potential situations. She is pretending to be frozen in time. She is suffering from a mental health issue. She has been possessed. By now I'm convinced it's the latter but I section her and leave her with professionals. A week later I call the hospital and they tell me she is still frozen. My dad was in the police force for 20 years and when we just a rookie, he had to conduct nighttime roadblocks meant to catch drunk drivers. They had done it many times before and this night started routine enough for them. That was until this Toyota Corolla drove up to them with what looked like a white blanket on its roof, flapping in the wind. They thought it was weird but did not see anything amiss about it. One of them even joked that this guy was multitasking by drying his laundry and driving home at the same time. The laugh stopped when the lone car came closer and all of them saw what looked like a woman in white lying face down on top of the car. The woman seemed to slide like a slug backwards until she disappeared behind the car as it eventually came to a stop in front of them. It took a few minutes for my dad's team to recompose themselves as they stared at each other as if to say you guys saw that right? The most senior of them finally stepped up and shot the usual questions to the driver. There was a noticeable quiver in his voice as he made conversation and asked him to step out of the vehicle. My dad's team inspected the whole vehicle, including the boot and found nothing strange in it. The driver was a good-looking staff sergeant in the army who was heading home from a company event earlier that night and admitted to have had a few cans of beer. He said he laid down in his bunk to sleep it off, hence why he was driving home at that time. It was 4 a.m. He passed their sobriety test and they started to ask him if he saw anything weird during his drive. Initially he said no but after more questioning, he mentioned that he had to swerve to avoid what looked like a bird that was flying upside down. It was spooky but didn't think that was a detail worth sharing with police officers. The senior then told the guy to chill out at a 24-hour coffee shop before heading home. The locals believe that if a malevolent spirit follows you, 
Making a pit stop confuses them so they can't set up shop in your house. After some confusion of his own, the driver finally caught on and nodded in agreement. After the guy leaves, they call into the station and cut the night short. Never knew what happened to the driver, hope he's alright. I was a patrol officer in a large west coast city for a short period a little while back. The city I worked for had, and continues to have, a problematic influx of transients. The first thing you learn when dealing with homeless populations is that mental health problems and drug use are overwhelmingly abundant. By the end of my stint I felt more like an armed social worker than a police officer, and that's one of the reasons I left. I've always been a horror movie buff. After The Conjuring debuted I bought a copy of The Demonologist, the biography of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Ed recounts meeting a homeless man in NYC who spoke as if possessed, p.219, and goes on to say that prolonged cases of mental anguish can lead to influence from other worldly beings. I'm not sure if I believe that, but I always kept it in the back of my mind. I do know certain chemical substances, DMT, MDMA, psilocybin, can make the user see or feel the presence of spiritual entities. So many homeless people have drug addiction problems I wouldn't be surprised that, if these kinds of entities are real, they wouldn't find ways to mess with people. One night, on patrol in a two-man car, I was flagged down by a disheveled man standing next to a Winnebago. He told me a woman he didn't know was inside with his son and wouldn't leave. After alerting dispatch my field training officer and I knocked on the door and asked if we could come in. The son said yes, and I stepped inside. The woman looked slightly less disheveled than the son, but I could tell she was either on something or mentally ill. The son was lying very still on a cot, looking absolutely terrified. The woman was quietly mumbling something and fidgeting with empty hands. After trying, and failing, to converse with her she quickly ran out of the Winnebago. Neither the complainant nor the son wanted to file a report, and simply asked us to keep an eye on the area. I agreed, walked back to my car, and slowly drove away. About a block down the road I saw the woman walking slowly and decided to pull up and try to talk to her again. I'm in the driver's seat and my field training officer is riding shotgun. We pull up, he rolls down his window, and asks for her name. She says it's Rachel, and begins to mumble louder and faster. The fidgeting intensifies, and the only intelligible thing she says is that she's always searching. My field training officer calmly and patiently asks her the basic questions, where do you live, do you know how to get home, are you hurt or in danger, etc., but isn't getting anywhere. At this point I start to feel a little creeped out, but haven't said anything. Something in her eyes told me this is all wrong. Rachel continues to mumble and fidget, but is looking down at her hands. I decide to run a little experiment, because I might not get the chance to do so again, and began mouthing the Lord's Prayer. I'm not actually saying anything, just thinking it and moving my lips. The whole time I continue staring at Rachel to make sure she wasn't looking at me, which she wasn't, and to make any reaction even more unlikely I said the prayer in Old English, like Beowulf Old English. That way, even if she glances up at me, it's highly unlikely she'll understand what I'm doing. 
I finish the part which says deliver us from evil and Rachel stops mumbling. She jerks her head up, her eyes go wide, and she glares at me for the longest second I've ever felt before sprinting down the street and into an alley. Now I don't know if that's necessarily anything supernatural, but it sure as hell creeped me out for the next few days. My brother is a police deputy and at the time I worked as an EMT for a few small towns in northeast Colorado. I frequently went on ride-alongs with him while waiting for 9-11 calls to come in. This took place in Amherst, Colorado. The town is very small, Amherst has about 50 people, a church, some houses, a grain tower, and a park. It was about 3 am and we were about to call it a night. As we were making our last check on Amherst we noticed movement at the park but couldn't tell exactly what was going on because it was pitch black. We drove up and stopped alongside the dirt road, flipped on the spotlight and as we moved the light around the park it finally settled on the back of a young girl, maybe 13, sitting on a swing with her back facing us. We left the spotlight on her, she wasn't moving, she just sat there facing away from us looking down at the ground. Needless to say it was a very creepy situation. We both looked at each other with that face you would make when something is out of the ordinary. I quickly suggested that we should call her over using the PA system. He agreed. As we looked back over, she was gone. I mean no signs of anyone anywhere. The park was in a wide open area, she couldn't have gotten out of sight in the amount of time that we had our exchange of words. I remember saying, should we get out and look for her? Maybe she hid behind one of the park toys or something. My brother just looked at me and said hell to the no and drove away. It still creeps me out to this day. My dad used to work as a correctional officer at Goulburn Jail in Australia, which is probably one of the oldest and hardest prisons there. A story he tells of his time there is one I always remember. He said that the whole place was creepy anyway, not helped by some of the inmates at the time including the notorious Ivan Malat, on which Wolf Creek is based. Anyway first thing he noticed was that dogs would outright refuse to enter the prison. He said they couldn't get them past the gate no matter how hard they tried. But the creepiest occurrence was one night when they heard the sound of running booted footsteps, Everyone was in their cell so they couldn't figure out what was causing it. Next thing all the doors of the open and unoccupied cells on the top floor were banged shut, one after the other with loud clangs. Then they see the source of the running noise. Now dad swears this is what he and his colleague, so he has another witness, saw. Apparently they looked up and saw what looked like disembodied hobnail boots run down the aisle right over their heads, banging as they went. Dad decided to stop working in the prison not long after this. Super creepy. I'm not one of those people who call police for no reason. This story, that I'm about to tell you, makes me wonder if I had an encounter with a serial killer. This has been going on in my neighborhood for about two weeks now. So it has me sufficiently creeped. So I live alone. I'm 28 and female. This is also why I'm more alarmed than the average person might be. 
A couple of weeks ago I had opened my mailbox to find a small wooden crucifix on a string. I didn't know who it was from. The church occasionally leaves things in mailboxes, but also provides like a pamphlet or something to explain. This was just a small wooden crucifix necklace. I just grabbed it along with the rest of my mail and put it in the house. While having wine one night, my neighbor, also my best friend, mentioned that she had found a crucifix in her mailbox. Neither of us though much of it again. Didn't seem like the biggest deal in the world. A few days had passed and I started getting mysterious phone calls. Mysterious in the sense that the same number would call, would stay on the line, but wouldn't say anything. In the background I could hear what sounded like a TV or a radio, so I know the line was okay, they just didn't say anything. My friend mentioned that she had received a few anonymous phone calls as well with the same phenomenon. Things got creepier when another girl we know mentioned finding a crucifix in her mailbox and receiving a phone call, same as us. While my friend and I were driving to go out one night, she got a call from the same number. She answered it and told them to stop calling us. Once again there was no response. By the time we got to our destination, we had both received a text message. Hers read something along the lines of words hurt. Learn to love. The text message I got read the human heart is the strongest organ in the body, why do you have to F with it? With a photo of a cartoon heart. We were both scared, but stayed and hung out like we planned because neither of us wanted to go home alone. We talked about it until our friends got there with us. We kind of played around with the thought that it was a prank by one of our friends, but we became less sure. So for sure two other girls from our town received crosses in their mailbox and also received phone calls. We know one of them, though not very well. The other one neither of us knew, and the only reason we found out was because she had a video on her social of her ranting about it and it got shared. So things got a little weirder when my friend came over to my house and showed me that she had bought a new set of nipple rings, yeah, just hear me out. The pack that they came in was opened, removed, and replaced with a small wooden crucifix. After this we called the police and gave our statement. They said because it was spooky season it was probably just a joke. This seemed to me like it was an excuse to not follow up. Now there was one thing that threw me off but is worth noting. So I figured originally that whoever was doing this and calling us was probably someone that we all knew. We even went on Facebooks of people that had received them to see if we could find the common denominator, but turned up nothing. I'm a hairdresser by trade, my friend is a tattoo artist, one of the other girls sells real estate, and the other is an accountant. Common factor is that all of our info is made public for business reasons. I'd like to think this is just someone that's trying to get into the holiday spirit and found a bunch of public information. That it's still creepy enough on its own. But I've been on guard for almost two weeks now. This whole thing just feels so ominous. Everybody please be careful. I was dispatched around 3am to attend a house where the caller was concerned that someone had broken into the basement and was still inside. The caller was a very old lady and she lived alone. As far as she could tell, she woke up and noticed that the basement lights were on, and she hadn't been downstairs in years. 
My partner and I get to the call and the lady is standing at the front door with her walker anxiously waiting for us to come inside. My partner and I go into the basement and you can tell that no one had been down there for a while because as I walked I kept hitting cobwebs that were dangling from the ceiling. Anyway, everything appeared to be in order, and eventually I found the light switch further into the basement and turn it off. We shut the basement door behind us and clear the main floor too, since she was so adamant that she heard rustling and coughing in the basement. The basement was relatively empty, and I assure you no one was down there. As we are about to leave she asks if we turn the light off. I said yes, and opened the door to show her, but the light was back on when I did. I kept my composure and asked her if I could turn the lights on slash off from upstairs as well. Negative. My partner and I exchanged looks and I went back down to turn the lights off again, and GTFO. We met up after the call and dug a little bit into the history of the house, and it turned out that a year ago on that day we attended to help paramedics because her husband had fallen down those stairs. Not sure if he made it or not but. Nope. This actually happened to me the other night. I was doing nighttime K9, police dog training at a local abandoned sanitarium slash hospital that is owned by the state. This building is comprised of the old section which was largely converted to offices and a newer section which looks like a standard hospital. We had several guys and their K9 partners training that night. All of the dogs stay out in their respective patrol vehicles while they are not being used or training. For this night everyone is conducting training in the basement of the newer section of the hospital. They are running scenarios where the dog searches the building and finds a bad guy in a bite suit and bites the bad guy. My dog isn't in that stage of his training yet so I go off to another floor of the hospital with my head trainer to do other training. Myself, my pup and the head trainer go to the third floor of the building and begin training. The hospital has a central area which looked to be a nurse's station. Several long hallways lead away from the nursing station. I'm standing in a hallway with my dog facing the nurse's station. The hallway continues for about another 40 yards behind me and has multiple rooms. I put my dog in a sit-stay and begin listening to the instructions from my trainer. Both myself and my dog are focused on what my trainer is saying. While the instruction is going on my dog looks back at the hallway behind me. Just as he does this I hear a deep mumbled male voice behind me. I interrupt the trainer and turn my head to listen. As I turn my head the voice fades out. Once the voice fades out my dog looks forward again. I'm a little freaked out at this point. The hospital is locked down tight. We also walk through to make sure no one was squatting. Even if we missed a squatter you would think that myself announcing multiple times police K9 come out now or announce yourself. If not I'm sending the dog and you'll be bit. Would drive someone out. I believe in ghosts but I do not think I was hearing the conversation of the other guys training. We were four floors away in a large hospital. After this happened I went looking for the noise and never found anything. This story isn't as shocking as some others in this thread but it still freaked me out. Crazy old woman called because she heard someone repeatedly banging on her front door and in garage door. 
It's after midnight and I get there, and the house is in the middle of the woods with nothing around for miles. I talk to the lady and she insists I check her large shed out back. So I open the shed door and peek in with my flashlight, and the entire shed is filled with creepy large homemade dolls. They're each probably like two to three feet tall and sitting upright facing the door. The hair on my neck went up for a minute. I didn't truly believe that something supernatural was going on, but dolls are just really creepy. He went to a call where a father had gone crazy and decided to shoot his family. He killed his wife and was looking around trying to find his five-year-old son to shoot him. The boy had run outside and was trying to hide on the side of the house behind the trash cans. The father eventually found him and point-blank emptied nearly a full magazine at the boy. When my dad arrived, they found the boy in shock, hiding right where his dad found him, not a wound on his body. There were bullet holes in the side of the house all around the boy. When they finally got to question him about it, they asked him what happened when his dad found him on the side of the yard. The boy replied the angel was in front of me with a shield, and he saved me. He pushed the gun away from me. Years ago my uncle told us about a woman who would call the police station just about every night claiming that fairies or elves were breaking into her house and stealing her food. As is custom, every time she calls, they send a unit to check on her, my uncle gets it about two to three times per week. Every night they stop by her house and reassure her that no one has broken in and calm her down. One night when he gets to the house she has poured powdered sugar all over the floor to record their tracks and my uncle says he literally has to do a double take. All over the floor of her kitchen are these little tracks, tiny like nothing he's seen before. His partner starts taking photos and trying to figure it out. A few other officers come in, as most of them had gotten the call to her house too and want to see it. Ten police officers all completely baffled as to what these weird little prints are. Turns out a possum had babies and they were sneaking into her kitchen for warmth or food. The prints look so foreign because most of the time baby possums are carried by their mother not running around. Seven are rounded up and released in a less residential area. Police officer working the desk 15 to 23, fire alarm signal goes off, many many years ago the police department offered alarm monitoring service, still had 10 to 12 places that were hardwired and it would require pulling apart a lot of equipment to disconnect the system so we just kept it going. First shift dispatch is already punched in so she took it. I'm headed out the door to the fire department when 911 rings from the same address. I answer it. No one in the other end, assumed they barely got to call before passing out, I bolt out the back door, hop in a squad car, radio in the 911 call on channel 3 that both police slash fire can hear and that I'm going directly to the house. Arrive just as another unit shows up. No signs of smoke. No sign of anything. Older woman comes walking up the street pushing a wheelchair with an elderly lady, her mother. They live there and just went out for an early evening stroll before dinner. Tell them what we have going on, 
nobody else lives there and as far as the elderly lady can remember the alarm was disconnected from the house years ago during some renovations. They don't have any alarm system either, just a couple of smoke slash fire detectors. We do a walk around the house, get to the back door off the kitchen and you can clearly see and smell gas. We turned off the gas at the main, set up some fans to air it out and find a cracked gas line going to the oven. Daughter said she spilled some coffee she was making for their walk and had to move the oven a few inches to clean, probably broke the line pushing the oven back in. Nothing else in the house is disturbed and both phones are on the hook. Fire chief shows up about 15 minutes into the call. He goes over to the two ladies and gives them both a hug, he's nearly in tears. The elderly lady in the wheelchair, her husband was the fire chief 60 plus years ago for our department. The daughter, her husband passed away a few years ago, he was also a member of our department. Never believed in ghosts or spirits but that call made me think maybe people who spend their lives doing good are allowed by some power to look over their loved ones every so often. Before my dad became a state police officer he did some security work at a big factory. He's not normally a superstitious person, so when he told me this story with such a weird seriousness to it, it kind of scared the shit out of me. He's always said I don't mess with that stuff regarding supernatural things, but anyway. This story is in the early 80s. With working at the factory he always had the night shift. It was just him. And the big ass factory. He had his own little room where he could watch TV, listen to the radio and do whatever. But the rest of the factory, for the most part besides the exits, was dark. His job was to actually patrol the factory every hour. He'd get up, grab his flashlight and just stroll around the place going down row by row, peeking his head out left to right. One night he set out to do his usual run, with flashlight in hand. But he could see that something was unusual to his eye when he walked out into the dark. You know that sensation you get when your eyes adjust to the room and you can just start to make out certain objects but nothing full or whole? There was something darker in the main hall or row. And it was moving. He paused for a minute and as his eyes fully adjusted, there seemed to be nothing. He took a second to swipe the factory with his light. And then decided that he was just seeing things. He went down into the main row and started his run. Everything was normal nothing out of the ordinary. Although he was still a bit on edge, seeing as the factory without a big moving shadow was creepy enough. When the rows of the factory ended there was a big open area at the end. This was the entrance to the factory. Normally there would be a light at the front door, but tonight it had dimmed lower. He thought that was weird and really began to sweat, so instead of investigating any further he turned from the exit and went to go back into the main row and get back up to his room. That's when in the corner of his eye on the right side he could see what he described as a black cloaked figure. His light hit it and he saw it. Tall and distinctly human-like. But he didn't stop. He just went right back to his room, locked the door and stayed in there until it was light out. He left the factory and called the owner to tell him he wouldn't be returning to the job. I don't blame him. Cop here. 
Partner and I were dispatched to a welfare check. Elderly guy, nobody had seen him in a few days, mail overflowing in mailbox, missed a doctor's appointment, car hasn't moved, etc. We both know we are about to find a body. We arrive on scene and can't get anyone to the door, look through the window and sure enough, we can see his foot on the floor in the living room. My partner is a corporal and pulls rank and makes me go first. Door is unlocked and as soon as we open it we smell a mostly fresh dead body. Almost relieved, we both enter and he tells me to check vitals on dead dude. He is obviously dead, with lividity, dried feces on him and dried saliva around his mouth. So I go to stand over him and see if I can get a pulse at which point he takes a deep breath, rolls over, and asks why we are in his house. At this point we both start screaming oh shits and what the f as we both run out of the house. We called EMS and they transported him. Said they couldn't get a blood pressure or pulse on him. I think he died a week later in the hospital. I still get jokes about raising the dead. So this happened maybe about 5 years ago. My friend is in his mid-thirties he and his wife had a 7-month-old baby and a 5-year-old son. Wife was a stay-at-home mom and dad owned his own business and had a very flexible schedule he would take his son to school in the morning pick him up etc so it's about 11am they call the cops because they keep hearing a a strange sound in the home sound like feet or something and though he was sure it was nothing he wanted to make sure. So he says the cop arrives and the first thing the cop says is why isn't your son in school? My friend is puzzled and says huh? The cop says your boy is sitting outside on your lawn. My friend again looks at the cop strange, looks on the lawn and says officer my son is in school, I dropped him off this morning. The officer looks back sees nothing and looks puzzled. At this moment my friend's cell phone rings and it's his son's school. Apparently he has had some sort of allergic reaction to some finger paints that had egg base or something in it, allergic to eggs, and became extremely swollen, throat swollen and couldn't breathe rushed to the hospital. The cops give them an escort to the hospital so they can fly through lights and all. Arrive at hospital and the son is doing fine as stable got the lil shot to help him and everything. The cop waits to see how the family is doing and wants to check on the kid. My friend is appreciative and lets the cop come up and he says that he had never seen a paler face in his life and he said the cop looked as if he had seen a ghost. And said that's the kid I saw in your yard. My friend told me this had creeped me the f out I didn't believe it but the wife co-signed the whole thing. I'm a detective and spent some time as an expert on sex crimes and crimes against children. It was the best slash worst assignment I've had. One case I had came in at midnight. A young woman with a toddler comes into one of the precincts to report her ex-boyfriend raped her during a custody argument. Long story short it was legit, and one of the most violent and sadistic cases I've ever had so I'll spare the gruesome details. I still have no idea how this woman made her own way to a precinct with a toddler. Part of the investigation requires me to talk to the toddler, victim said the toddler was present for everything. I'm a child forensic interviewer as well. During the interview the toddler recalls their father becoming angry and hitting the mom. Then, 
The toddler said that the nice woman showed up and she couldn't see past the nice woman. The nice woman held her and told her that they were both going to be safe and sang her a song in a different language. The toddler said the nice woman went over to the front door and knocked on the door. Then, the nice woman helped them and their mom to the car before flying away. In the victim's interview, she said that her ex-boyfriend had a knife to her throat and put it to the skin to cut her throat open, but he got distracted for some reason then ran out of the apartment. She had no explanation why. The suspect was caught about eight hours later. He confessed to absolutely everything. When I asked him about the knife to the throat he said this, I swear to God I was gonna cut the bitch's throat open. But I thought I heard a knock at the door and thought it was the police. Once I saw it was clear, I ran outside. He is now serving life in prison, and the mom and toddler are safe and doing well. I'd love to know more about the nice woman. Edit, wow this blew up. I'm going to answer a few of the questions here and then turn my phone off so I don't waste a rare day off talking about work. Yes this is a real account of an interview I did. I feel comfortable sharing because I'm protecting the identity of the victim and the case has been adjudicated. It's technically public information but a FOIA request could both confirm this account and take away anonymity for the victim. I'll leave the details where they are. I'd love to know more and would have loved to ask more questions, but a rule about child forensic interviewing is that the interviewer cannot introduce any information that the child hasn't introduced themselves. This is to reduce suggestibility. Open-ended questions did not reveal any further details. There is a rational explanation that children in crisis develop alternative narratives to cope with trauma. You can decide. Family member of a cop here. Where I grew up there is an abandoned factory that high school and college kids will visit, usually around Halloween, because it's scary enough in the dark. It also houses a decent amount of homeless people. So once every few months the cops will come in, do a sweep, and force anyone there to leave. One night my uncle is working. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And there's a call to the non-emergency line saying there's a lot of movement at the building, that the caller can see light on every floor but the first. My uncle and a few other officers respond. No more than 10 minutes have gone by when my uncle gets there. There's no one around, but there's plenty of light pouring out of the openings where the windows once were. The officers all agree it looks more like fire than flashlights, so they call the fire department as a precaution. They walk into the first floor and start searching for the stairs. They find them and ascend to the second floor. There's no light anywhere. Same with the third, fourth, fifth floors. They sweep the entire building, every nook and cranny, even the roof. There's no light source and no one there that they can find. 
Fire had arrived shortly after they went in and they couldn't see anything from the outside other than the subtle glow of flashlights, which was faint. Nothing like what my uncle and the others had seen. But my uncle said that what was even more unsettling was that none of the homeless areas, which were usually comprised of piles of trash along with cardboard boxes and blankets, were there. Not that they didn't find any homeless people, but that there was no sign that anyone had been in there at all, ever. Former inmate in a small county jail in Oregon. At about 2 a.m. one night, the radio in the pod started squealing really loud, all static screeching. One of the corrections officers came in and turned it down, changed the station, walked back out. Next day when I was working in the kitchen, one of the nicer corrections officers came in and was talking to us about what happened the night before. Apparently on the video of the pod, you can see something of a shadow come out of one of the cells and move to the radio. About a minute later, there was a flash in front of the radio before it got loud. Unfortunately I ended up back in jail, and got placed in the cell the corrections officer said the shadow had came out from. Something about that cell creeped me out. It almost sucked the thoughts right from you. My dad used to work as a CO, corrections officer, at a rural prison. He drove perimeter, which just means he made circles around the jail in a truck, checking empty buildings for runaway inmates and just generally being bored for eight hours every night. One night, my dad is parked on a hill just reading a magazine when he starts to feel a thumping in his body. He described it as the feeling you get when speakers are playing a song with really heavy bass and you can feel the bass in your whole body. Anyway, he puts the magazine down and checks his rear view, and he sees someone outside the truck. He grabs his pistol and jumps out of the truck, weapon drawn. When he gets outside, he sees a procession of Native Americans walking through the truck, and directly through his seat, only to disappear at the exact spot he was sitting. He said it was clear they were ghosts because many of them appeared injured. This went on for a few seconds, and then whole procession disappeared. He called the other perimeter guy on his walkie to try to explain, and the other guy almost immediately stopped communicating. Turns out the other guy had seen this happen before, but didn't believe in ghosts, so he wouldn't talk about it. My partner and I received a 911 call from an old woman having a dispute with someone. We get to the house and she says she alone. We say who are you having a dispute with? She says, oh just this spirit in one of my rooms immediately me and partner look at each other and give the old she's elderly, it's prob dementia or something along those lines as we're talking to her, she's explaining how sometimes a bad spirit comes around. She states that he's in the back room and, of course, the lights don't work. We try to tell her that spirits probably aren't in her house and we have to get to another 911 call. She insists we check it out. So we do. Now, the house, the way she was speaking about spirits, made me believe something was there. When we got the room and she opened the door, seeing a ghost wouldn't have shocked me. She did say that it's usually in the corner up on the ceiling. Well, 
That corner was dark and had the freakiest shadow that legitimately was terrifying. My partner and I shine our flashlights on the whole room and thankfully, nothing was there. We told the lady, nope, you're good, nothing going on here. I said to her if you feel there's a spirit there the NYPD cannot help you, go to a local church religious institution of your choosing and best of luck. We got the F out of there. Late summer night responding to a call in a rural area. My partner and I were driving down a winding two-lane highway in the middle of nowhere. No light of any kind other than the headlights and moon. We're coming up on a sharp right turn when I see a man traveling across the grass from an area of brush. He's moving very quickly and smoothly as if hauling ass on a bicycle. No up and down motion like running. Obviously, I'm pretty confused about a hillbilly on a bike in the middle of the night but not surprised. He comes to a tree and stops. It's about this time we're driving by him. Look out window and see a man standing next to this tree with no bike or anything in sight. Just standing there staring at the truck passing by. My hair is standing up. We continue towards the call and I ask my partner if he had seen that guy. His response is, man I thought I was crazy. Edit for clarity, he could have been freakishly fast running, old school ghost road slash hid the bike, or I could be a plain dumb ass, perhaps sleep deprived is a better description. What made it so freaky was the speed he floated across grass slash gravel, the abrupt stop, and then the stare. Been doing this for years and it's the only thing that could come close to paranormal. Adding to the creepy factor was that we were miles from any house, store, or bar. Law enforcement officer here. Okay so I was supervising on evening shift in a small town in rural Australia. We have a large river that snakes its way past the town and runs close to some of the residential areas. It's a kilometer wide in some parts, has steep banks and thick bush in the bed when it's dry. One of my crews were tied up with something and the other was attending two brothers threatening quote self-harm after having a fight at a residence near the bank of the river. I heard the job and attended to give my crew a hand. Upon arrival we found one brother who was self-harming and on drugs. We restrained him to prevent him from harming himself. He was telling us he wanted to end himself and was taken to hospital via ambulance for mental health. As we had made the apprehension, my crew had to accompany the ambulance for everyone's safety. My crew leaves and then am told by the family that the other brother had run off down the river dry bank threatening to hang himself. The family said he was drunk but didn't have anything to actually hang himself with. I was concerned and attended the river bank near where they thought he went down the river steep bank. Both crews were busy and I was by myself, at night and it started raining lightly. I parked my unit at the top of the bank with the lights pointed onto the bush hoping that if he saw my lights he'd come towards me. I got out my torch and made my way down the bank. I found a small clearing and a small distance away was thick bush. I heard something moving in the bush. It sounded like something taking deliberate steps in the bush. I yelled out thinking it was the guy I was after. I told him I was here to help and pleaded with him to come out. No response and when I was talking, whatever it was stopped moving. 
I kept talking attempting to make contact as my instincts told me someone was in the thick bush in front of me. No response. My torch couldn't penetrate the bush but I could hear distinct footfalls. I stopped making any noise, turned off my light and stood still listening. I hear movement coming towards me in the bush. I remained still and listen. It came closer. Without thinking, my hand went down to my gun and I was ready to draw. I turned on my light and walked forward and hear whatever it was move away from me. I backed off, turned off my light and remained silent. It started coming closer to me, probing my position. I repeated the exercise once more and once more it backed off and came back at a different angle. By this stage I was on high alert. Something told me GTFO. I got this heavy eerie feeling. Any animal that was down there would have run off upon my approach. No animal I know approaches slash probes a human's position at night like that. Once I got the overwhelming feeling to leave I backed off, with my hand on my gun and I didn't turn my back until I had to climb up the bank. Once at the top and back with my car I felt a lot better but I could still hear something moving in the bush. I stayed there for a while as I was curious. I left and conducted inquiries finding the missing brother on the other side of town fast asleep and fine. To this day I don't know what I ran into down in the riverbed that night. I was called to a house with police at around 3 am, relatively small shared house with a lot of rooms and people who don't know each other living there. Caller reports that there is blood everywhere, all on the walls, staircase, in the kitchen, on the doorstep. He thinks one of the upstairs residents is into dodgy stuff which I assume was meant to be drugs or crime of some kind or whatever. Well we open the door and sure enough there is blood everywhere. It's all on the floor and all the way up the stairs. It goes into the kitchen too but stops at the back door. There's a pool on the front doorstep but not a big one. A couple of cops go upstairs ahead of me, I'm there thinking well shit, if someone's lost this much blood there isn't a great deal we can do for them anyway, and if whoever did it is still in the house we're about to have a major scrap on our hands, in the UK, police are unarmed. We go to the door the dodgy guy is in, and knock, he kinda answers like yeah? The cops say they're police and they need to have a word with him. He comes to the door in pajama trousers and says he was asleep. He's not injured and has no blood on him. There's none in his room. He lets the cops have a search and his room is all fine. Seemed like a regular guy to me. We speak to all of the other neighbors in the house and the cops search their rooms and nothing. No one heard anything, that they told us anyway, and no one had anything suspicious in their room. There was no blood in anyone's bedrooms, it was only on the stairs hallways, kitchen, and front doorstep. The two cops call for a dog unit to attend and search the area. The dog arrives but tracks the blood no further than the front doorstep. Whatever had caused the blood to be there seemed to still be in the house, and we had no idea whose blood it was thought it could potentially have been an animal's blood somehow, but unless it was a large animal there was way too much for that, and I hope we'd have found a bleeding large animal in our search. I had control pestering me to redeploy to another job so I thanked the cops for helping me clear the house and said I had to go. 
They said they were gonna go do a wider search and then resume as well as there was nothing they could find. I never heard any more about it, and as far as I know there was no murders or anything like that reported after that incident so it's still an absolute mystery. I'm not sure if I'd describe it as paranormal, but it was certainly strange and spooky. I didn't feel creeped out at the time, but had I been one of the people living in that house I definitely would have done. Other incidents I've been to that I guess could be paranormal are usually just sad mental health incidents. Occasionally we end up at addresses with very elderly people who see their dead wives in their house and talk to them. I once went to a job where an old guy was there with his son. While I was doing some tests on the old guy he was talking to an empty chair next to him, saying stuff like oh it's okay, he's just checking my blood pressure then they'll be out of here and we can go back to sleep. I didn't question it and got on with my work. When I spoke to the son afterwards he said his mum died a few years before and his dad has never really come to terms with it. The dad always claims he can see his wife there with him when she isn't, and talks to her like she is. Apparently he even sometimes makes her breakfast and tea still because he thinks she's actually there. Stuff like that is just sad rather than creepy though. Edit, because I've got a lot of comments about the investigation in the first story. I have no idea what investigation the cops did. I know they thoroughly searched the house, got a dog to search the house and surrounding area, carried out a search of the neighborhood nearby, and called a supervisor down to investigate. After that I have literally no idea as I was redeployed and had to go. There was still cops there when I left. I don't know the outcome as it's nothing to do with me, and we don't often speak to the cops about stuff like that. I don't imagine they just looked at the scene, thought huh? Weird. Anyway let's go. I imagine there was some investigation done but I really don't know what. This is not my story, it happened on a different shift, but captain working overtime with us one day told it to us, and it creeped me out. The captain was on the first due engine company that was dispatched to a residential fire alarm in the middle of the night. Our dispatch protocols require us to send the first due unit emergency to a fire alarm, while the second due engine and ladder company respond routine. We go to tons of fire alarms and 99% of the time they are caused by a faulty system or burnt food, so we usually don't get too worked up over them. Anyways, as they approach the neighborhood they see the orange glow in the distance, and when they get on scene they find a 4,000 square foot house with heavy fire showing on the rear and that had already broken through the roof. The call was then upgraded to a working structure fire and more units were dispatched to assist. The captain of the first due stayed on the outside the whole time, he was incident commander until the first battalion chief arrived on scene and took over, and then he assumed the safety role. So, he's on the outside, in radio contact with crews that are inside fighting the fire. After the bulk of the fire had been extinguished and his operations were winding down, the captain sees smoke inside a second-story window and asks crews inside to go inside the room on the BC corner to make sure the fire hadn't spread to the other side of the house. The crews search for a few minutes and radio back, there's no room there, sir. The captain is a bit confused, as he is staring at what is clearly a window that is attached to a room of some sort. 
he relays detailed instructions of where the room should be to the crews inside, and they again advise that they can't find anything. Incredulous, the captain asks the incident commander for permission to go inside of the structure so he can show the interior crews exactly where the room in question is. His request is granted, and he goes inside, walks up the staircase, and walks towards the corner in question. There's no room there. Just a hallway with a corner. No doorway, no window, no room. Knowing that there has to be something behind the wall, they breach the drywall and crawl through to find a child's bedroom. The bedroom had a dresser, a desk, and a perfectly made bed that looked as if it hadn't been disturbed in years. For whatever reason, the owners of the home decided to wall off the bedroom and leave it just as it was, untouched and unaccessible. The captain said it was one of the strangest and eeriest things he had seen in a while. Not a cop but leasing agent. We deal W a surprisingly high amount of deaths. Brant was my worst quote self-harm case and most creepy. I'll never forget him and he made sure of that. Brant was a weird resident but nice. Always chatted with me but you could tell was hurting from his PTSD. Around Christmas his packages sat too long in the office for pickup but I figured he was on vacation. Shortly after New Year's his parents called and asked to talk to me directly. Manager hands me the phone and they tell me they haven't been able to get a hold of him for weeks, they live out of state. I tell them to call PD, we're not allowed due to privacy laws, and I grab my keys and head to his apt. His dog Rocky is barking, I check the front door and it cracks open, the smell hit my face like a ton of bricks. He's dead and has been dead. Police arrive. Brant shot himself and sat for 10 days. I had to ID him before they called his family. Rocky started to eat him due to going so long W out food. The residents above slash on the side slash behind him noped out and we let them go. At this point I think I'm losing my shit because I keep seeing Brand out of the corner of my eye at work. Only at work. Sometimes I would see him walk by the office windows and I would yell for my manager, who believed me thankfully, but could never see him. About a month after we get his place cleaned up and turned over the apartments around his a pair of little Korean sisters move in next door. The app shares a wall with his bedroom. At this point no one in that area knows what happened and because of Brant being a shut and no one knew him or who he was. Cookie, one of the sisters, comes in and asks me one day if someone died in their apt. I tell her no. She says a man is around her apt and is distraught about not being able to cross over. At this point I ask her if she's seen him and she describes Brant. I tell her about what happened and she assures me she'll do a crossover ceremony for him that evening and also gave me a bit of sage later that day. I never saw or felt Brand again after that night. I'm a second generation firefighter. My father spent the latter days of his career as a fire safety director at a massive mental asylum. Our state version of OSHA has to come and do inspections at all facilities. His was no exception so the OSHA inspectors make their way to an abandoned part of the facility that used to house the criminally insane. The absolute worst of the worst. Serial killers, rapists, cannibals, 
etc. My father left them with keys and a flashlight because the electricity didn't work. The inspectors were radioing back to my father that they kept hearing talking and footsteps which was impossible. Not even squatters could move around because each section is isolated with locked doors to prevent escape. Eventually, the inspectors give up and actually flee without finishing. My dad decides to stick around and check the alarm boxes they didn't. As he is checking one of the alarms, he feels as if someone is watching him from down the hall. As he looks, a shadow forms with a head, shoulders, torso but no legs and just two holes where there should be eyes. My dad noped the hell on out of there. Since the hospital has shut down, it has been on ghost adventures, ghost hunters and a myriad of other shows and movies. My dad has been in some of them. Jason from Ghost Hunters called it the scariest place he's ever investigated. When I was 19 to 21 I was employed as a security enforcement officer through a local private investigator firm. I know I wasn't technically the lay you're asking for, but I've always wanted some place to share this story. I spent a 12p12a shift at an upscale theater and then my boss called me and told me I was assigned to a YMCA construction site that everyone kept calling out from. The sooner I could come in the better, he said. So after working 12 hours at the theater, I spent another 3p8m at that site. By the time I arrived home, it was around 9.30 and I was so tired I could barely keep my eyes open. But I received a phone call. It was my brother. His birthday was that day, and I had completely forgotten about it. My whole family and I went shopping around and then ate at a restaurant about 45 minutes from my house. At around 1 p, I told them I had to leave because I just couldn't keep my eyes open. As I was driving home, no amount of music or driving with the windows down would keep my eyes open. I started drifting into the opposite lane of traffic. I decided it was best if I pull over. I looked around, and there was an ice cream shop. So I stopped in. It was weird place for it to be, because the highway I was driving on was a smaller country highway and it was on the outskirts of town. So an odd place to put a shop that would seem to rely on foot traffic. There was a woman out front asking if I had stopped for ice cream. I didn't want to be a dick and just tell her I wanted a nap, so I said yes. I went inside and it was rather junky. It looked like they bought furniture from old barbecue restaurants and threw it at random into the building. The same woman was now behind the counter. I said I wanted two scoops of chocolate on a cone and pulled out my bank's debit card. We don't take cards here, she said. She handed me the ice cream cone. I dug around in my pockets and went back to my truck for change, I never keep anything but a debit card on me but I found about 50 cents and I gave it to her. She said the price was $1.80, but that'll do. I didn't know what else to do, because I was half asleep and she had given me the ice cream cone already despite the fact I was attempting to pay with a debit card as she was making it. I said, thanks and walked outside at stand and eat it. I'm a pig when I eat, so by the time I made it to my truck, I had some already on my face and uniform. Before I could make it to my truck, the woman walks outside to talk to me. You look troubled, she said. But whatever you're going through, you'll be fine. I get in my truck and leave this, I'm now assuming, 
batshit crazy ice cream vendor. I get home and fall asleep. The next day I'm getting my uniform ready when I see chocolate ice cream on my uniform shirt. The ice cream shop wasn't far away from my house, so I felt I should go pay her what I owed. I pulled up to the building but it was locked. Their building was empty and there was a sheet of dust caked over the doors like no one has touched them in years. ICU nurse here. We had a patient that was dying. No family. Around 3 AM the guy started crying and asking why the little girl in the yellow dress was in the hospital. We assure him there is no little girl. He cries even more saying yes there is she is at the foot of the bed. Kid you not the man passed in the next few minutes. Myself and my pod partner blamed the hallucination on the meds we were giving him to keep him comfortable. Next night. New patient in the room. She's completely alert and oriented. About 3 AM she hits her call light. She wants to know why the little girl in the yellow dress was outside her room. We told her it was just her imagination from being in a strange place. Not five minutes later the guy in the next room goes into full cardiac arrest and unfortunately we can't receive him. Of course we absolutely freak. Two different nights. Two different patients see the same thing. All followed by death. I worked as a forensic nurse in a lockup unit in the hospital once with state and county inmates. Had one older slash demented lady who swore she was being haunted slash abused by a demon she would call Tiberius. So many crazy things happened whenever she was there, like we'd go into the room, do normal care, leave and seconds later she'd start screaming bloody murder and we'd run into the room to find her looking like she'd been in a fight with a boxing champ, bloody lip, black eye, markings all over her body, no one ever saw her doing this stuff to herself. Things would get moved around the room by themselves, like at one point she was in protective restraints because the doc thought she was hurting herself, there was no way she could have moved or done anything to herself while in these restraints, but new marks would always appear or her tray slash cart would be across the room. The room was secure so there was no way someone else was doing this. You'd ask her questions and she'd just say it was Tiberius. After she was discharged we always had trouble with that room, if there was going to be a rapid response or code, it happened in that room. One of the guards reporting that lights were going on and off in a room? It was that one. I've spent a chunk of my career working in historic house museums and people constantly ask if they're haunted. I am not a person who is into ghost stuff, but a good legend does bring in the visitors so I don't any shy from explaining any deaths that have occurred in the house. Recently I worked at a historic house in a small town where a child was fatally injured falling down the back stairs. She died in the local hospital a few days after the fall, and the story was well known locally. People often reported strange feelings, a team of ghost hunters visited a few years back who claimed they detected a voice, and that something fell over during taping, of course, nothing ever just falls over, and the light over the stairs had been known to flicker before some rewiring was done during a restoration. We also had a summer student who was deeply into this stuff, 
To the point where she claimed a friendship with the ghost. I scoffed regularly at all this stuff, none of the staff I supervised ever reported anything strange, and I was frequently alone in the house without issues. However, on my third to last day working there, I was in the house with another member of staff, taking them through the daily inspection routine. We were on the second floor when a loud banging came from the back of the house. When we looked out into the hallway, a light was on over the back stairs where the fatal accident occurred. Now, I was very careful never to leave lights on overnight because it's bad for the artifacts, and definitely had not turned that light on yet since we hadn't reached that part of the house. I asked my colleague if she'd turned it on and she said no. The banging occurred again and we basically just bailed completely. In retrospect I must have left the light on the day before, and the noises probably came from outside. But the confluence of events in the dark old house on a gloomy cloudy day just made my skin crawl. I was an EMT for a while. We got a call about someone who was riding their bike at a breakneck speed when they hit a car head first without a helmet. We went over immediately. Despite the fact that it was broad daylight and we were in the middle of suburbia on a Saturday, Nobody even came to check on this poor guy. Seriously, the streets were empty. Usually a massive crowd gathers around violent accidents like this. So his skull was pretty much smashed in and he was unresponsive. It was the worst head injury I'd ever seen. We assessed that he had a major skull fracture, a concussion, and he was bleeding profusely. He was also missing teeth and had a minor road rash, but fortunately he wasn't missing much skin. To give you an idea of how bad it was, this was the kind of injury that most people don't survive. If you did survive, you'd basically be a crippled vegetable. Normally we would have moved him off the road, but when someone has a head slash neck injury that isn't very safe. My partner, who was also training me as I was still kinda new, went to check his pulse while I began to unload our gear. He crouched down, felt for a pulse for a while, and then stood up and opened his mouth to say something. Suddenly, the guy jumped up. He didn't use his arms to pick himself up, he just jumped to his feet. It startled the two of us. He looked at us, smiled, and attempted to grab his bike. We tried to stop him, but we didn't exactly want to wrestle him to the ground given his condition. He gets away from us and bolts into the woods without his bike. My partner was in even more disbelief than I was. He just stared at where the man had run off, mouth agape. Then he turned to me and muttered he had no pulse, man. I asked him if he was sure and he swore up and down that the biker was clinically dead. We contacted the authorities for assistance and they sent a search and rescue team into the forest. I don't know if he was found or not because we normally don't get much information about patients after they go to the professionals. Keep in mind that this was the Pine Barrens, so they had a lot of ground to cover. My best guess is that he went to a loved one's house out of confusion. What I found odd about that is, head injuries bleed like hell, so you'd think the guy would leave a long red trail of blood for the cops to follow. Not a cop, but I used to work private security. For a bit I worked at a shopping mall. My partner and I already had a feeling this place was haunted, 
One reason being the homicide that happened right before I was hired. The very west of the mall made the hair on my neck stand up the most and I don't know why. It's also good to note that there is an animal shelter at this end of the mall. You can see the cats and dogs through the windows at night. They would bark and whine a lot. One night I was walking to that end of the mall and I started feeling like someone was following me or walking behind me. When I got to the shelter none of the animals were making noise, but I swear to God all of the ones that were awake were staring at or behind me. I got really bad goosebumps and a horrible feeling in my gut. I put my head down and walked as fast as possible out of the closest door. Once I was outside all of the negative feelings went away. EMT here, once had a call at our local mall. Show up and an 8 year old was having breathing problems. Her mother, aunt and cousin had just been caught stealing and it was late at night. We assumed the breathing problem was stress induced. Once we got into the back of our unit she looked my partner and myself in the eyes and said that she lived at a bad place. She said she lived with demons and I shit you not as she described the demons her heart rate plummeted to 90 BPM to 45 BPM in a matter of seconds. My partner and I looked at each other and immediately started trying to lighten the mood and preparing for a code. She ended up being okay, I will never forget that experience. <laughs> 